0: It is a good Tuesday morning. You need to know this. Uh, There's a concept that we find in Romans chapter 1 where Paul really wants to get to Rome and he makes that clear in a a number of ways in chapter 1. But he shares shares this. I want to get to Rome so I can encourage you through my giftedness and the calling upon my life, but I also want you to encourage me that we together, listen, that we together can experience a concept known as mutual encouragement. I love that. Mutual encouragement. And I mean this when I say it. I am honored, thrilled, delighted, and privileged to be with you today. I love this place. Uh, My family loves this place. We pray for you. We care about you and we want you to grow in God's goodness and grace. And I am thankful uh, to be able to be with you and to experience, I trust, mutual encouragement uh, together. Mutual encouragement together. We've been asking and, and attempting to answer a question these days. Our theme, really, for Spiritual Emphasis Days is this. What is the condition of my heart? What is the condition of my heart? We considered three scenarios Three options when we started yesterday morning together no heart or a natural man, no heart like Saul, whole heart or a spiritual man like David, or half heart, a still carnal yet carnal individual like Solomon. We gave you three options and we're really trying to get you to ask and answer the question what is the spiritual condition? Of my heart. Last night we were honored and privileged. If you were here, we had a great time looking at uh, Caleb's chapter in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, where three times he either said it or it was said of him that he followed the Lord his God wholly, fully, completely, all heartedly. I asked you last night, and I'll ask again this morning, if you had to write down a word, a phrase, a sentence that describes how you right now are following God, what would it say? What word or words would you use to describe how it is that you are following after God? I also asked you this last night, what would other people say? What would other people write as you, as they rather, are observing you following after God. Caleb, all heart, whole heart, fully, completely followed after God. I'm going to continue to ask you the question, what is the condition of your heart and how is it that you're following after God? But this morning as we're about halfway there, friends, uh message 3 of 5, I I want to bring a warning I want to bring a warning, a warning about a disease that I've had, a disease that some of you currently have, a disease that really can challenge and keep us from following wholeheartedly after our great God. I remember when I started in seminary, I graduated from uh, Emmaus Bible College in 1991. I went directly to Dallas Theological Seminary and I graduated from Dallas in 94. But I remember being part of the orientation at DTS. And I received a little pamphlet, uh, a quarter of a sheet of paper in size, gray in color with navy ink. I still remember it clearly, I have it in my files. And on that little pamphlet, it asked a question. Or rather, it made a statement, and the statement was this. How to avoid spiritual frostbite. How to avoid spiritual frostbite. Wise on the part of the administration of Dallas Seminary to bring that spiritual disease to the attention of incoming students. You see, there's a challenge in uh, higher education environments, especially uh, as you're pursuing uh, education at the seminary level. There's a a warning that I was to receive that orientation uh, day, that pride, arrogance, and ego can take you out. Self-sufficiency And self-reliance, a dependence upon me can keep me and can keep us from following after God wholeheartedly. I was reminiscing with Dean Chavez last night, and when I was the dean of students and he was on staff here, uh, there was a student who he and his wife have a wonderful ministry in Africa, uh, Dan and Annie Johnson. Uh, Dan Johnson was a student at the time, and it was during the Winterfest days. And I don't know how this happened, and I, I don't have all the details straight in my brain, and that's okay, but it was cold. Let me just tell you, it was cold out. And Danny somehow ended, out, ended up outside. Some of you remember this. Danny ended up being outside as we were participating in these Winterfest-type games, but he was outside barefooted, without any shoes, and I, like, I know he liked to travel that way, and that was a preferred uh, way of uh, rolling, but it was not a wise maneuver on his part to head out in the cold of winter barefooted without any shoes. And Dean Chavez last night said, I, I, it, it was so quick, so quick how his feet were in trouble, and the indicators of frostbite uh, were, were already obvious, and I want you to think about the condition of frostbite being frostbite spiritually or physically. This reality of losing feeling, being desensitized, becoming numb is the condition that one would consider uh, when having physical frostbite. And all kinds of complications can, uh, can arise and occur Uh, permanently in some circumstances and cases, if you have frostbite. Spiritually, it's a similar reality where we are dull of hearing, where we keep on listening but do not perceive, where we keep on hearing but do not learn. We can't see correctly. Our hearts are rendered numb Loss of feeling, desensitized. There was a good friend of mine who served here at the college for years uh, as one of the vice presidents. He had a a career with uh, the Quaker Oats Company, PepsiCo, and was an executive with them for years. And he told me time and time again, to share this with my dad as well, he, he had seen it. In the business world, over and over and over again, that pride, arrogance, and ego can take you out. So, this morning, I want to ask you not only what is the condition of your heart spiritually, I want to ask you uh, specifically are you spiritually frostbitten? Isaiah chapter 6 will be a passage we look at uh, just briefly this morning and more uh, specifically this evening. Uh, But it begins with a phrase that we often just cruise right on by. And we get to the vision, which is incredible, which we'll take a peek at tonight as well, and it ought to change the way we think and live as it did for the prophet Isaiah. But verse 1 of chapter 6 begins this way. In the year of King Uzziah's death, And then we just keep on reading usually, right? This morning, I'd like for us to take a pause. I'd like for us to look at the reign and the life of King Uzziah and recognize that ultimately he was spiritually frostbitten. But it wasn't always that way, and it didn't have to be that way. So I bring you warning this morning to take a good hard look at the condition of your heart and ask and answer, are you much like Uzziah? Let's pray and ask God to help us and lead us. Father, we need your help. We pray this morning that you'd wake us up physically and spiritually, take away distractions, we sure would ask and pray. We pray, Father, that as we have these days of spiritual emphasis that we might be willing to ask and answer honestly, as we talked last night about the phrase, face the music, May it be that during these days of of intentional spiritual emphasis that we might face the music and honestly ask and answer, what is the condition of my heart spiritually? We've been reminded and we know that you see, you know, you examine our heart's attitudes before you. May we do the same. We ask and pray. Father, may may we be warned this morning of the pitfalls and challenges that we face when we depend upon ourselves, when we are self-reliant and think that we are self-sufficient. May we be warned of the, the pitfalls and dangers of pride, arrogance, and ego, viewing ourselves wrongly in your plan and in your program. So help us, we pray, Father. May we be warned and may we respond appropriately. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I invite you to turn with me for the duration of our time together to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I know you've been in this chapter recently, I'm sure. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And I want you to imagine and I want you to understand and I want you to realize why We have that historical contextual statement in Isaiah chapter 6 in the year of King Uzziah's death. It was important for the readers to understand what just happened and why. And then we will see uh, the true king, the one who rules and reigns, and we'll catch that vision tonight as Isaiah did in chapter 6. But let's be reminded of what happened to King Uzziah. And much like uh, the kings of old, the first half of the chapter is fantastic and the second half of the chapter not so much. We're going to see that reality this morning and we're going to see why. And ultimately, it's because of spiritual frostbite. It's because of pride, arrogance, and ego. Viewing oneself wrongly in God's plan and God's program. I remember being taught a definition of humility years and years ago by one of my profs in seminary, Dr. Tom Constable, and he defined humility this way. And I've used this definition a little bit already this morning. Humility is viewing oneself correctly in God's plan and God's program, a correct analysis and understanding of oneself. Where you do fit and where you don't fit. Where you are gifted and where you're not gifted. A balanced view of oneself is humility. Viewing oneself correctly in God's plan and God's program. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, what a tale. The first half of the chapter encouraging success story. The second half quite different. And all the people of Judah, we'll go quickly uh, this morning through the whole chapter, I trust. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. Can you believe it? I think most of you are older than 16, but you never know. Some things happen, right? But imagine it wasn't that long ago when you were 16, right? Imagine that. My son is 14, soon to be 15. My daughter's 17. I told you that last night. And I think they're amazing, I'm pretty biased, but I don't think they have royalty and reigning potential at this time. (laughs) They might think so, but... Can you imagine being 16 and being named and declared king, for crying out loud? And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, would you think about that for a minute? And made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. By the way, there's a verse in chapter 25, verse 2, that says this about his father. He did the right thing, but not wholeheartedly. Interesting, huh? Here is Uzziah, 16 years of old, named king. He continued a project of his dad. He built Eloth and restored in Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old, in case you missed that, when he became king. And he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4, there's a key principle that I want you to see. Last night or yesterday morning, perhaps both the sessions, I said this. Doing life God's way is the best way, so obey. I want you to get a hold of that truth. And if you owned it, your life would look differently and it would be more full and Meaningful. Doing life God's way is the best way, so obey. Verse 4 says this, and he did right. He did right, and I want to ask you this question. How did he know uh, how to do this? How did he know what right was from wrong? You see, he had a heritage. There was a tradition that communicated to him that there's an absolute. There is a way to go about doing life, and it just happens to be the way God said to do it. His dad didn't do it perfectly. His dad didn't do it wholeheartedly. But there is a standard. There is a right. There is a pattern. There is a divine revelation for us in regards to how we are to live life in every arena. And Uzziah had that clue. He picked it up and realized, picked up the clue phone and realized, I'm going to do life God's way. Just like dad did. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father, there it is, all that his father Amaziah had done. There's a, there's a passing down of tradition, and that tradition was doing what God has said, living life the way God has communicated for us to live it. And, and at 16, Uzziah bought into it, and he followed that pattern. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Look at verse five. And he continued, don't miss this, this is crucial. He continued to seek God. He continued to seek God. He realized that he could not, but God could. He realized that God had made a pattern and the right and wrong known, and he wanted to do it God's way, and he acknowledged this dependence upon God. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. It's not the Zechariah you're most familiar with, but a, a spiritual influence, nevertheless. And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of whom? Of God. I asked you last night to think very carefully about the concept of influence. We saw how these 10 spies made the heart of the people melt with fear, negative influence. I try to encourage you to think about this reality. You are an influencer and you are being influenced. And I'm asking you again how is that going? What are all the influences in your life right now? And are they helpful or are they harmful? And what kind of influence are you being to others? We are all influencers and we are all being influenced. Uzziah had influencers in his life. His family, other godly individuals... And he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as, don't miss this, this is the key in avoiding spiritual frostbite, pride, arrogance, and ego being the pitfalls. And as long as he sought the Lord, verse 5 begins with that. And he continued to seek God. Ends with that, as long as he sought the Lord, verse 4, and he did right in the sight of the Lord, had influence in his life that were pointing him in that right direction as well. And as long as he did life God's way and was reliant and dependent upon him, God prospered him the way God wanted him to be prospered. It was God's doing. Verses 6 through, through 14 tell his success story, and it's amazing, friends. I want you to see, and we'll go through it uh, uh, at rapid pace, but I want you to see, nevertheless, all the ways in which he had success. God's success, all the ways in which he did prosper as he had purpose to do life God's way and obey, you see the result. And this is a pattern in the old. uh, We saw it in Caleb last night in the story of Joshua as well. And it's in the new. Doing life God's way is the best way. So obey so you can have abundant life now and glory to come. It's not a tricky concept. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. And so here's how he prospered. Check this. Don't miss it. What a success story. Because ultimately of God. Now he went out and warred against the Philistines. Battle is on. Success in this area. And broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabneh and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the areas of Ashdod and among the Philistines. What's happening? What's happening? He's being successful, and his, his kingdom is expanding. Verse 7, notice the divine dependence. It's all over this passage, and you dare not miss it. And God helped him. And God helped him. One of the big lessons of my life these last two years for me and G-Force That's what we call our family, just for fun, no inspired reason. But one of the things we have been taught in a variety of ways is that we can't do life on our own. We are utterly and completely dependent people. We need help. Seasons of my life, the last couple of years, I could do nothing physically on my own, and I had to humbly learn to be reliant and dependent on other people for everything. And what a difficult, but what a powerful lesson to learn. We need help. And this lesson of the reign of King Uzziah and his success story has God's enabling and God's provision and God's help all over it. And God helped him against the Philistines, verse seven, and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and the Mayunites. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah. And watch what, watch, watch what is happening. Talk about followers. Talk about influencers. The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah, so he's, he's making bank, and his fame extended to the border of Egypt. You want to know why? Here's why. For he became very strong. What's happening? What's happening in the reign of this young, young king? He's having all kinds of success And God is the reason it is happening. He's becoming strong in a military sense and fashion. His kingdom is expanding and, and, and his borders are broadening. His fame is spreading. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine this happening in your world? That everywhere you turn, success is happening. And you know why you've been taught why you've been reminded why, as we are in the text as well. And God helped him. And he is becoming, end of verse, very strong. Think about it, fellas. Think about it, ladies. Think about this happening to you. What would be your mindset? Watch out for the pitfalls of pride. Arrogance and ego. Watch out for the disease known as spiritual frostbite, where you become numb and desensitized to the things of God and our reliance and our dependence upon Him. It keeps us from being wholehearted. The story continues. Are you kidding me? Moreover, verse 9, you're following. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress and fortified them. Strength. And he built towers. It's happening. It's broadening. He built towers in the wilderness and hewned many cisterns. He gets into the agricultural business. I mean, he's a Renaissance man, for goodness sake. For he had much livestock... Both in the lowland and in the plain, he also had plowmen and vine dressers, folks working for him in the hill country, in the fertile fields. For he loved the soil. He's a military man. He's a businessman. He's an agricultural man. And he is having success everywhere he turns. He loves the soil. He loves to get his hands dirty. He has folks working for him. Moreover, that word says that we're not done yet. Moreover, there's all kinds of success still to tell. He had an army ready for battle, not just any army, folks, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster prepared by Jael, the scribe, and the official under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers, Lots of folks, look at 12, the total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors, we're going to see that phrase later. Valiant warriors, I love that phrase. What kind of warrior are you? A valiant warrior. The total number of the heads of the households of valiant warriors was 2,600. And under their direction, are you kidding me? We're talking there was an elite army, 307,500 folks who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. This is incredible, isn't it? Good Tuesday morning. Are you in the text of God's word? Are you seeing the success story? Here's a guy that was young. He reigned for 52 years, and he had the proverbial Midas touch. He had success after success after success. Moreover, moreover, moreover. We're not done yet. Look at verse 14. Moreover. Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, and bows and sling stones. I mean, they're creating new weaponry. They're advancing. And in Jerusalem, he made engines of war, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar... Are you listening? Do you see what is taking place in the rule and reign of Uzziah? He was being prosperous, and he had great success. Pick an area of life, and he had success in that area. And we've seen over and over and over again, there's a reason for it. And the reason for it is not Uzziah. The reason for it is... Is God. Uzziah was taught that. Uzziah knew that. And as he did what was right, and as he continued to seek God and acknowledge his dependent upon God, as he was helped by God, verse 7, he had this incredible success. God was using him, listen to me, God was using him in the way in which God wanted to use him, where he fit in God's plan and program. The end of this success story is found in verse 15. And in Jerusalem, he made engines of war, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar. Why is that? If you can't follow this morning, if you're tired, whatever your story might be, here's one phrase that you need to just own and realize this is how we need to do life. For he was marvelously, I love that, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. You see, there's this divine enabling, there's this divine provision, there's this utter and complete dependence upon someone else. I can't. In and of myself, I'm insufficient. In and of myself, I'm inadequate. But my sufficiency, my adequacy is found in him. And Uzziah had that lesson stamped all over his reign. And he became very strong. And in between verse 15 and verse 16, I'd suggest to you, and it was probably happening along the way, he became spiritually frostbit, numb, desensitized to the person of God and to the things of God and to the provision of God and to God's way. And he started to believe his own success story. And started to think it was his doing, not God's doing. Pride, arrogance, and ego will bring you down. But when he became strong, verse 16, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. All these successes were causing him to think he could be and he could do whatever he wanted to be and whatever he wanted to do, and he acted in a way that was, listen to me, contrary to what he knew, contrary to how he was raised, contrary to how he was brought up, contrary to what his influencers told him and taught him and encouraged him to remember and never forget God is the one who enables. God is the one who provides. God is the one who protects. God is the one. And he changed his mind and thinking because of his spiritual frostbite condition. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord, the one who has been so kind, the one who has been so infinitely benevolent, the one who has been so gracious, the one who was the recipient of all these things from God was unfaithful to God and acted wickedly, corruptly. And what did he do? Talk about the extreme of pride, arrogance, and ego. Talk about the the extent uh, to which one might fall. He went into the temple and entered it in an unceremonial fashion. For he entered the temple. You're following. Thank you for that. Verse 16. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Truth be known, regardless of your success, Uzziah, that's not your place. And that's not your job. That's not God's way. And so here he is in all his pride, arrogance, and ego going to a place he shouldn't go, purposing to do something he wasn't allowed to do because it was not, listen to me, God's way. Then Azariah, Azariah the priest entered after him. Imagine it, would you? Imagine King Uzziah, imagine him being defiant in his rebellion and disobedience, in his evil and corruption, ultimately because of pride, viewing himself wrongly in God's plan and program. Imagine him entering into this holy of holy place and this this priest coming after him. But not just this priest, not just Azariah the priest entered after him, but 80 priests of the Lord. Remember that phrase, valiant? Here it is again. We've got 81 folks, people. 81 folks going after the pride-filled Uzziah, who is just ignoring God's way, just ignoring what is right, just ignoring what he knows and has been taught, and just saying, I don't care. I will do whatever I want. Let me ask you this question as our time is about gone. The question is this, what in the world is it going to take for you to surrender fully, for you to be wholehearted, to you, for you to be all-hearted, like David, not perfectly, like Caleb, not perfectly, but having a surrender of self not being conformed to the image of this world, but rather being transformed by the renewing of your mind and saying, I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to surrender all. What's it going to take? What did it take for Uzziah to pick up the clue phone? We've got 81 folks coming after him, and he could give a rip because he was so caught up with pride, arrogance, and ego. Verse 18 says this. Watch it. And they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah. And guess what? Uzziah knew that. But these 81 folks in a valiant form and fashion are saying, no. And they opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest and for the priest only, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. God's had a plan for you, and he has blessed you in a big way. But God also has a plan for uh, worship and for the sons of Aaron and their consecrated role to burn incense. And they said it plainly, get out. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord. Do you hear that? What's it going to take for you to pick up this clue phone and realize the, the pitfalls and dangers of being prideful, arrogant, and full of ego, being spiritually frostbit? You know what Uzziah could have done? He didn't. But you know what he could have done? He could have said, oh, my word, what am I doing? I need to come to my senses. I need to think about how things have been and why they have been that way. I'm doing something God has told me not to do. I can't do that. He's been nothing but faithful to me and in an abundant form and fashion. How can I be unfaithful to him? He could have said, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm repent. He could have got out. But he didn't. He was so far gone. But Uzziah, verse 19, with a censer, picture it, will you? With a censer in his hand for burning incense, the task and responsibility that was not him, He became enraged. Did he have any reason to? He was so full of pride, arrogance, and ego, so spiritually frostbit that he became enraged, even though it was obvious to all he was unfaithful and in the wrong. Sin can do that to our minds and hearts, people. He became enraged, and while he was enraged with the priest leprosy, are you kidding me? Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Verse 20, and Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, hello, he was leprous on his forehead. And they, for good reason, hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had done what? The Lord had smitten him. Why? For as long as he followed the Lord, as long as he did the right thing, there was this divine enabling, this divine help. He was mightily helped, marvelously helped until he was strong. But he was smitten of the Lord in verse 20. First half of the chapter, success story second half of the chapter a story of failure what's the difference full-on reliance and dependence upon god and a willingness to do life god's way not my way and king uzziah was a leper to the day of his death pretty pitiful way to end don't you think and he lived in a separate house obviously being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, has written. So Uzziah slept with his father, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave, which belonged to the kings. For they said, listen to how his reign and life ended. What was he remembered for? How was he remembered For they said, he is a leper and Jotham his son became king in his place. Tonight, we're gonna look at three prescriptions from the prophet Isaiah that can help us avoid being spiritually frostbitten. But I wanna warn you, this is a place where pride, arrogance and ego is alive and well. It's a struggle that we all face in the Christian life, and we need to heed the warning we find in the life of King Uzziah. Tonight, I will share with you our Momo for today, but it has everything to do with these three words, as you wish. Not my way, but God's way. What's it gonna take? for you to fully surrender to him. Father, help us. Help us, Father, to ask and answer the question, what is the condition of my heart? Am I no-hearted, a natural person, man, woman? Am I half-hearted, still carnal, yet carnal, lukewarm like Solomon? Or am I whole hearted, all-hearted, fully complete, fully committed to following hard after you. Father, help us to think about these things and help us to be warned today, to heed the warning of pride, arrogance, and ego, to be well aware of the spiritual condition known as spiritual frostbite. And may we ask and answer this morning, do I have it? And may we look forward to the prophet Isaiah's remedies prescriptions to avoid such help us I pray today father to realize we can't we are inadequate we are insufficient but with you because of your marvelous help we can and so help us to fully rely upon you today we pray in Jesus name amen